Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There I was flipping burgers with a member of the royal family openly talking about, you know what, I've really struggled. And I don't know why it just came out that day, but it did. And I wish now, with hindsight, I'd spoken more openly earlier. Movember presents In the Barber Chair, a podcast dedicated to bringing you real cuts and real conversations about men's health. I'm Matt Johnson and I'm your host. Movember wants men to take action to live happier, healthier, longer lives and they invest in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health and suicide prevention. Welcome to In the Barber Chair with me, Matt Johnson. On behalf of Movember, we have a very special guest today during lockdown. Um, obviously, uh, we're all uh, in lockdown at the moment because of coronavirus. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce Ewan Thomas to the... Well, we're not in the barber chair right now. Where are you, Ewan? I'm in my kitchen, as you are, I believe. So, yeah, I'm in my kitchen and... Um... It's quite tidy for once. I knew I was speaking to you, so just in case, I thought I'd give it a little dust over. So all good. Oh mate, I, uh, I'm especially enjoying the fact that we have the same hair. Yours is better though. I've got to ask: is what toner have you used on that? Because it's got a lovely white sheen to it. I love it. I, I like to call it platinum. Uh, it's 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 um, bleach London. And it was a massive, massive fuss to do this. It was about four people on uh, a Zoom call just trying to get it right. Hairdressers, colorists, and all that type of stuff. Because I, so, was- I saw Paddy McGuinness call you out on it. I saw him nominate you. <laughs> and I thought, well, we're all not going to do that. And it, to be fair, it looks good. I love it. I was like Marty McFly. It, it, nobody calls me chicken. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got to do it now. What a nightmare. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, mate. It's quite liberating. And thank you very much for, for coming on to this call today. I know you're a very busy man right now. Yeah. Busy gardening. There's nothing I haven't jet washed in my back garden. I have literally been going jet washed crazy. But do you know what? I'm I'm trying to find the positives out of this lockdown because I think it's really easy to to concentrate on the negative side of things and and, and all doom and gloom. But actually, there's things I've got round to doing, which I haven't done for five years. There's fences I've painted. There's, There's patios I've jet washed. There's all sorts of stuff I never would have bothered doing. And quite frankly, because I've been forced into lockdown, I've done loads. I think everybody's in the same boat. And it's very interesting what you say about looking for the positives because this is such an unprecedented time where there's lots of fears, lots of anxiety, lots of uh, misinformation and all that type of stuff. But for me personally, like this has been a real great grounding opportunity to kind of work on myself, you know, spend some time with my girlfriend, do lots of the house stuff that needed to be doing and all that. And as well, they, these kind of calls and, you know, there's lots of people out there actually really bringing people together in a really positive way. Have you seen any of that? Have you, have you seen any of the positive stuff out there? 
Well, definitely. And, and also, I'm guilty of this. So, for example, I've lived in this house about 15 years, and there's a, na- a neighbour opposite, an elderly lady, who I've literally just said hello to one or two times. And when lockdown started, I, I-, I put a, no- a note through a letterbox and said, listen, it's you and from across the road. If you need anything, this is my number. Please don't hesitate. Give me a call. And I kind of feel bad. So I think, why didn't I do that anyway? It's kind of taken lockdown for me to be neighbourly, if you like, because I'm quite private. When I'm at home, I shut the door, and I want to be on my own. But... I think really lockdown, I think what well, a couple of things I take from it so far. First and foremost, the British humour has been hilarious. Some of the stuff on social media, we've got a lot of creative people in the UK and I think <laughs> fantastic. But secondly, I just think human nature, kindness. I really hope when we eventually go back to some form of normality, people are a little bit nicer and they kind of appreciate what they have. Our freedom, if you want. You know, the NHS, for example, 100% I've taken them for granted in the past when I've needed them. But now I think people, including myself, are thinking, wow, we've actually got a service on our doorstep, which we are really lucky to have. And we've got neighbours and we've got people who we normally wouldn't talk to, but there's good people out there. So I hope people will start to say good morning once this is all done and stop and have a chat to strangers because I hope, I hope that lasts. I think there's been a lot of positives come out of this and I think people have been creative and they've realised they can adapt and they can survive at home. I really noticed that as well. One of the biggest things for me was human connection. When we were uh, separated from our from our friends, from our families, etc., the first thing that everybody did, it felt to me like, was to go on to Zoom calls, was to go on to house parties and FaceTime and have pub quizzes because one of the most natural human instincts, especially I think for men, is human connection, that that conversation, that 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 feeling that you're being listened to. That was what blew my mind. Like I've never spoken to my family as much as I have done in the last seven weeks. And my friends, from friends from back home as well. It's been an incredible experience for that. I didn't even know my mum how, knew how to turn her mobile on. She's on her iPad now doing Zoom calls and Instagram <laughs> or whatever. She's absolutely loving it. But no, I think it has. It's made people reach out in a, in a nice way and reconnect with people, as you said, that perhaps they wouldn't talk very often. And I've found people are phoning me just going, I was, I'm like, is everything all right? Yeah, I was just phoning to see how you are. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I really appreciate the call. And I've had a couple of people reach out to me and sort of, you know, they've seen my Instagram story and they might say, you sounded a bit low today. So I thought I'd give you a call. And it's really nice that people are looking out for one another. And I think, I think, as I said, the human side of things, the human nature, the kindness in people is coming out. And I, and I think even the, even the youths of today, you know, sometimes we're a bit hard on them, but there's some good kids I walked up my road yesterday walking the dog and there was a whole family in their front garden doing the lawn together and I thought, crikey, 20, 30 years ago, my dad would have had to pay me a fiver to cut his lawn. (laughs) Here was a family doing something together and they were having fun doing it. So it's nice to see. Yeah, yeah. I've got you here and I've known you for, for nearly 10 years, a long time, long time. And we've talked, we've been open, we've had really nice conversations and usually it's in a pub in Newcastle just after a half marathon or something. But um, we we often like big talk and and it's an absolute joy to have you here one-on-one to have this conversation because uh, we've often met through Movember as well and uh, we helped promote certain campaigns. And I want to go right back. I'd love to go back to you know the, the early days of uh, where you where you started your career in athletics uh, and the transition from BMX uh, to that. And I want to talk about your mindset and how it was then and how it is now. Is that okay? Yeah, of course it is. I talk about anything. So yeah, but my I think my mindset from a very young age, even like before the athletics, as you said, I, I did BMX racing from the age of about nine, where I went to a couple of world championships. 
I crashed in both actually, those world champs, but I came fourth in the Europeans. I, I was very competitive from a young age. So I knew whatever I did in life, I felt it was something that was going to reflect the hard work I'd need to put in to see what I got out of it. And I was kind of a cheeky chappy at school. I was a naughty boy, but I never got one detention because the teachers left me alone. They were like, oh yeah, he plays county. He represents a school in football, cross country, rugby, you know, whatever sport he seems to put his hand to, he's pretty good at it. So I was a sort of natural sportsman at school who I felt was quite popular because of my sport. But from that young age, I knew I liked competition. I knew I really liked putting myself up against others to see how good I could be. And obviously, like anything in life, when it's going well and you're competing well, it's brilliant. But when you start to doubt yourself and have a wobble in any walk of life, that's when I found I was quite vulnerable as well as being positive on the outside. I was quite sensitive on the inside. I knew that from quite a young age, actually. It's really interesting because when you go into athletics, then you it's an individual sport, obviously, and your 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 mind is such a huge tool. Was there any sort of coaching that you had uh, to help you with your mindset, to help you with that attitude? Because uh, my brother was a competitive swimmer, Commonwealth Games, and a lot of the work was about channeling out everything and just being very focused. Is that was that a concern of yours, a, a part of your process? I never needed help with that, if I'm honest with you. I'd say my, my mind strength was my strength. I, I don't know if that's natural. I talk to a lot of people about this. I talk to a few Olympians, friends and stuff. And I think, do you think it's natural? that that's, I call it the switch, you know, because without a doubt, I, I had the switch. You know, I could be the nicest guy in the world as soon as I got to that first call room and I was looking at the other seven people I was going to go to battle with. I switched, you know, and the, the horrible side, the competitive anger in me would come out. So I, I never had problems getting up for racing or in fact training. I was one of those athletes who was an absolute beast at training, so much so to my detriment, I trained too hard and I got lots of injuries and so forth when I look back. But I think the mind strength is something no one ever had to help me with. Um, once again, until I got a few injuries and then doubt started to set in my mind and I think, as you'll agree, the mind is the most powerful tool we possess. And if, if you use it wisely and you use it in the right way, you can overcome anything. But likewise, flip it over. And if you're in a bad rut or you start to doubt or question yourself, then you've lost that race before you've even heard on your mark. So I think for me more than anyone, and my rivals will probably tell you this, you know, apart from Michael Johnson, who you could never get inside his head, he was a, a bit of a freak of nature. He was a Usain Bolt of my generation. He was miles better than all of us. But apart from him, I'd say I was as strong, if not stronger, than anyone I raced in the mind. And, and quite often, I felt a race was won before I'd even got my blocks. I, I could say things to certain people in a warm-up warm track or look at them in a certain way, and their head would drop, they'd look at the floor. And I, I won't name names, but I knew I could beat people up before I'd even been near them on the track. Just because I used to, in my head, if I could walk tall, chest out, look really aggressive, let them know I'm up for it, the music I'd listen to, or the lyrics I'd sing out loud, and they would shrink. I could actually see them physically look at me and go, oh God, he's up for it today. So my, I was almost a kryptonite to them, I, I think, by being positive. But as I said, it's great when it's going in your, in your favor, but when, when, when life kicks you in the teeth, then that's when you need to use your mind and turn things around a bit, as you know. Where do you think that mindset came from? I think my dad, was strict with me, he still is, my dad's ex-military, so growing up, it was very much like with the BMX racing days, you know, even if I'd won a race, it would be well done, but there would be a bit of, but hang on a minute, you messed up on that burn there, you could have gone quicker there, your racing line wasn't quite right, next race, you know, and I think he tried to 
get the best out of me by being very competitive and making me very disciplined. But when it came to my athletics, he purposely took a bit of a step back. He, he, he wasn't, I'm not saying he, he interfered with my BMX and whatsoever or was a pushy parent, but he knew how to get the best out of me. And my coach was similar to me as well. So my coach, Mike Smith, bless him, when we used to go training, you know, I turn up to a training session some days and if, and I knew afterwards, I found out, but I knew if he looked at me and it looked, he thought I wasn't quite up for it. In earshot, he'd lie in front of me. So he'd talk to someone else in the training group, said, yeah, I heard Roger Black did this session last night. He did six frees and he averaged 32-2 for all of them. And I'd, I'd hear it and go, right, that's it. I'm having it. I'm running 31 today. And then afterwards, <laughs> he'd laugh because Roger didn't do that training session whatsoever. But he knew how to like push my buttons. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, as I said, I call it the switch. But I think from a very young age, I, I had the ability to, as you said, your brother had to do, switch off and ignore everything around you and just focus on the, the, the task at hand. And, and that was running around the track as quick as I could. So you, you have a young man yourself, don't you? You have a, a young boy, uh, very, very uh, freshly made. And, and, and it's really interesting because do you think you'll still give uh, your son that mindset like your dad gave to you? I hope so. I, I, I hope I, I'd like to install into him just the qualities that you, whatever you choose to do, listen, I'd love him to go into sport, but it doesn't really matter. I just want him to be happy whatever he does, but I will let him know life isn't easy. It doesn't matter if you're working in a fish and ship shop, you're a taxi driver, you're a city broker, whatever you do, you really, unless you're lucky and you blag your way through life, you get out of life what you put in. And I'll, I will tell him, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, I learned a lot more about myself from the races I lost and the times when I was injured, depressed at home, not knowing if I'd ever run again. I probably learned more about myself in those situations than when I won a race and I felt a hero, you know? So I think yeah. it's the dark times in life that you need to learn from, learn from your mistakes, learn from the tough times. And I'll, I'll just teach him to just enjoy what he does as well. I mean, 100%, I love being an athlete. You know, I would have been an athlete for nothing. I didn't do it for months for the money. I did it purely to be the best that I could be. And, you know, if I won medals along the way and, and that brought financial reward, then brilliant. But I feel very fortunate even today to look back and think, oh, I was so lucky to make a living out of something I loved doing, which really was sort of pointless because I ran around in a circle. You know, I just started there and I finished there, but I absolutely Mate, loved it. Whenever, whenever, when you look into athletics or all sports, it's mental. It's it, when you, the, the javelin. So oh, I'm going to just throw this spear as far as I can. The shot put is just a heavy bauble. It's just going to lob it as far as you can. And I tell you what, I'm going to run from this spot to that spot. Let's call it 100 meters and see who does it fast enough. Actually, I'm bored of that. Let's chuck some hurdles in the way. I love it. You know what I mean? And, but to do something that you enjoy for, for all of your career is, is a true gift. It's something that I've, I've really tried looking into at the moment. Like uh, to be able to combine a passion and a skill and your purpose is it's a huge benefit because you, you never get tired of work. You, like you say, you do it for free. And, but what I find fascinating with, with sports stars uh, like yourself, uh, professional sports athletes, whether you have to retire uh, for whatever reason, uh, I'm intrigued by what happens next. And, and for you, 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 you left because of injury, which must have been uh, quite difficult for you at that time. What was it like stepping off that track and into reality? Heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking because I really have envy and jealousy of those sportsmen and women who control their destiny. You know, so like a Jessica Ennis-Hill who said, I'm gonna retire after these Olympic games, go out at the top, 
and then have the, the courage to walk away. Usain Bolt should have walked away the year before he walked away, but I know a big carrot was dangling in front of him, you know, a, a lot of money to go that extra year from his sponsor, so he did it. But for me, I just fizzled out. I, I had lots of injuries, and it became apparent my body couldn't handle training more than three days a week, which is, doesn't matter how naturally talented you think you are. You're not going to compete on the world stage. So there I was. I didn't have my final hurrah, if you want. And, and what made it even worse, I trained really hard for the 2006 Commonwealth Games. I'd not done any media. I'd done nothing. And I really knuckled down. And I actually got myself into amazing shape. And I thought, right, I'm going to win the Commonwealth Games again in Melbourne. Then I'm going to retire. I'm going to walk away and I'll have another medal. I'll be happy. And literally the last training session before I was due to fly out, I tore my hamstring and I was mm. devastated. I never stepped on a track again and I just thought, I've got to walk away. And, and I never actually officially retired until about two years ago. I just sort of like, <laughs> stopped running. But it, it was very difficult because if I'm honest, there I was, I was a young man. I knew from the age of 25, I was never going to run well again. And I, I tried for another six years or so to get back. And as I said, my body couldn't handle it. And you know, listen, I've done, I've done okay through sport, but I wasn't a footballer who's earned 200 grand a week for 10 years. I knew mid-20s I was going to have to do something else with my life, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't trained in anything else. I'd been to university. I had a degree in sports science and leisure management, but I didn't, with all due respect, want to get a proper job. You know, I didn't really want to go from being an athlete to working in the city or whatever it might be, and that's no disrespect to people who do that, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I kind of went through a lot of dark years but at the time, I didn't admit that. At the time, I didn't admit I was going through a tough time because I felt it was a sign of weakness to say, listen, can someone help me here? I'm struggling because physically, I was a big, strong guy, six foot two, made a living out of being as fit and strong as I could be. And mentally, as I said, I was that warrior. I was that guy who could go on the track and like, literally want to destroy people. And quite frankly, my friends were all really good down-to-earth guys. So my mate, Steve, my best mate, is a fireman. I've got Taxi Tim, who I used to train with. Gumbo, who cuts the grass for the local council. They were all blokes who I think looked at me like, that's my mate, that is. He's got a nice house. He's done well. Look at all the medals he's won. And I felt if I went, guys, I'm really struggling here. I'm injured still. I don't know what I'm going to do. I felt I was letting them down. And I, and I felt, I felt wrongly, because I've spoke to them since, I thought they might turn around and say, what have you got to be depressed about? Look at your shiny car. The materialistic stuff's rubbish, but I'm just saying, I thought they'd look around and go, look at your life. You, you're set up. You've done well. You're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning to drive people in a taxi. And I, and I felt they would judge me for that. So I bottled it up inside and it was really strange how it sort of came about. I ended up being invited to a barbecue at Prince Harry and flipping burgers and chatting to him. It was a launch of his charity to talk about mental health. And there I was flipping burgers with a member of the royal family openly talking about, you know what, I've really struggled. And I don't know why it just came out that day, but it did. And I wish now, with hindsight, I'd spoken more openly earlier. I know you've, I'll say bravely, because I think it is brave for people to talk out. I know you've spoken out for, about your own demons and so forth. And, and by you doing that, you help a lot of people. And I think I wish I'd talked earlier because... With Movember and you know all the work we do with them, we know we can make a difference, and we know people listen. And I think that one thing with depression, and anxiety, whatever you have, um, it doesn't matter how many bedrooms you've got in your house. It doesn't matter how many zeros in your bank account. It, it will get you if it's going to get you. And I think that's one thing that makes us all together, all relatable. You know, we are going to have dark days and. As I said, I just wish I'd had the courage to speak out earlier because by speaking out, if I can just help one person, then it's worth it. 
It absolutely is. And that, that's why I, I, I really like speaking to you about it, because you are an open book. And it, I find it hard to believe that at one point you you weren't. But it, it really does make sense. You were this alpha male winning, achieving literal goals and 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 getting medals. And that was your value. That's where you were happy. And And to think that it's really interesting to think that you, without that, felt like you didn't have any value or anything to contribute. And one of the biggest things there that really hit home was I've been in that situation where you feel like you have no purpose and you don't belong anywhere. And in that moment, how, how difficult and dark it goes inside your own mind because of a lack of purpose. What and how bad did it get for you? Yeah, it got really bad. And I still get my low days, don't get me wrong, but 100% many a day I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to get out of bed. I felt I'd lost my identity. You know, I, w- I wasn't that big, strong athlete, mentally and physically could take on the world anymore. I was a little boy scared of what am I going to do with the rest of my life, you know? And I also think when you've been at the top in sport, it's an ego thing as well. Don't get me wrong. You know, I used to love traveling back through Heathrow Airport and the security guy just whispering across the desk, wicked race last night, mate. You put one on those Americans, loved it, loved it. Keep it up. And, and, and you, you, I, I felt people... I'm not saying people loved me, but people respected me. There I was. I was in the public eye for doing something for, for, for Britain and for Wales and doing it with pride. And, and people got a sense of pride by watching me do that. And when that was taken away, I just thought, what, what am I going to offer the world now? Who am I? What, what am I? What am I going to do? To not only fill my time, but to feel accepted by others. And I kind of fell into doing a bit of TV work here and there, but it's not what I set out to do. And, you know, maybe I look at it now, but, you know, being a bit deep about it all but maybe me being an athlete was just an opportunity to open doors to talk about mental health to help others maybe my destiny I've not realized what it is yet but maybe it wasn't to be an athlete the athlete was just a stepping stone so I've got a bit of a platform like you have to talk to people and help others you know I, I do think things happen for a reason and why I used to go through years mate where I just thought why was my career cut short I know for a fact there was athletes I used to race who were cheats you know people who failed drugs tests but yet got away with it and, and ran for like 10 good years. They had longevity in their careers. And there I was breaking because all I did was train as hard as I could to try and beat the Americans. And I know there's things I could have taken to get me back from injuries quicker, but morally I would never do anything like that. So there I had, I had three good years and it was taken away from me. And I, I think what contributed towards my dark feelings was the fact that why me? I don't deserve this. I'm not a bad bloke. All I'm trying to do is run and my body can't handle it. So I went through a lot of years of Anger, I think, really. Anger and frustration and having to sit back and watch other people become the European champion at 400 metres running slow times compared to what I know I could still do. And it, mm. it was hard. But as I said, maybe the athlete side of me was just that little, that little chapter in my life. Maybe that was just what it was meant to be. Well, it's, it was a part of your life. It's, it's many different factors and many different colours to every single life, which I find so... So fascinating because you you have these feelings when when you retire um, in in a regular job, uh, police officers who retire around sixty years of age, uh, you know people are living a lot longer these days, maybe to ninety to hundred. That's a long time to not have a purpose. And what's very interesting is is the transition. I've had that in many different ways in different parts of my life. The change. The, the I, this didn't go the way that it expected to go. The, the, one of the best ways to make God laugh is to tell him your plans because he's going to mess them right up. And it's, it's that, it's being able to be malleable is the, one of the biggest things that I'm still trying to get my head around because life 
has a different plan for you. Whatever plan you think you're going to have is always going in different directions. And the, the destination isn't always what it's cracked up to be. It's just the path and the journey is the paradise I've, I've kind of found. What have you, what's your thoughts on that? I think so as well. And I think the, the profession, if you want, which, which we're both in now, is very, very hard as well in terms of, I think when I was an athlete, it didn't matter if the selectors didn't personally like me. The stopwatch didn't lie. If I ran fast enough, you've got to pick me for the team. Yeah, I've got to run. I'm going to those championships. It doesn't matter if I, if I ruffle you up the wrong way, the management. I'm good enough. I know I am. Look at the stopwatch. But I think when we're working in the industry, working as well, it's very insecure in terms of, you know, you might have a couple of projects on the go and you're really busy and, oh my God, I love this industry. And then all of a sudden the phone stops ringing. You don't have a job for the next two months and you're watching someone on TV or on the radio thinking, why on earth have they got this job? I'm better than they are. And, and, it, and, it, and it's a very difficult world we live in still. And, I, and it's interesting that we both try and choose to do this because we do have our down days, but yet we're doing... Uh, we're in an industry now, if you want, which is very um, subjective. You know, it, it's, it, it doesn't matter. You, you know you're a brilliant presenter, but you might watch someone doing something Saturday night TV and think, why have they got that over me? Because your face doesn't fit to that boss. They didn't want you. And it's hard to take that when you know you're good at something. So I think, yeah, you do get different paths in life. And I think 100%, I know this sounds really cliche, but when Teddy was born, it just changed everything. I think, you know, I, 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 I then all of a sudden realized I've got so much to give that little boy out there. You know, it doesn't matter. He don't care what I do for a living. He doesn't care. It's unconditional love. He just wants his dad around. So I think you do go through different stages in life where one door will shut and you think, oh my God, what am I going to do? But you've got to just be positive. Another door will open. And it might not be the path you thought you were going to go down, but that path actually might end up better than the path you were going on anyway. So it's all about recreating yourself, I suppose, and just, I suppose, having a bit of faith that life's going to turn out all right. I mean, I bet you're the same. I remember when I was waiting for my GCC results, my dad was on at me going, because my parents moved to Germany, just literally when I'd get doing my GCCs, and it was like, if you don't get the right uh, GCCs, you can't do A-levels, you're going to have to move to Germany and get like <laughs> I was going, oh my God, I've got to get the right A-level so I can go to boarding school, whatever it was. And at the time, it was everything. Oh my God. It, it would have worked out all right anyway, you know, but you, you worry about things at different stages in your life because it's so big at the time, you know, and you, your school results are massive, but it's, it's not going to define you. You're going to be all right. You know, people who panic about things, it will be all right. You've got your health, just got to keep focusing on the bigger picture. And as I said, you know, like you said, you'll, you'll have different paths in life. And I, I think it's got a funny way of working itself out if you're positive. It's easy to focus on the negative You've got to try and hold on to that light, a bit of positivity, a little chink, a chink of happiness out there, and then you, you make your own destiny, I hope. I think hope is a huge thing in those moments. For me especially, I still have my down days. I still look at people on the TV and I'm like, oh, where's my career gone at times? And it's, and it's hard, you know, because you can't, you can't punch your way out of this situation. I, I used to be into boxing a lot, amateur boxing. And yeah, you, you could, if you really wanted it enough, you could do really well in that. And like you say, you know, that alpha male winning heroic attitude doesn't fly when you have to be soft and you have to be malleable, especially when you have to be soft to yourself. And then if you have that, what I found, what works for me is not sweating over the stuff that I can't control. Uh, so for example, you know, this, what's happening now with uh, coronavirus, cannot control what's happening there. At the beginning of this, I was very anxious about what's going to happen, where, where's my family going to be and all that type of stuff. And the, the level of peace using my mental health tools 
like just checking in with people, checking in with myself and my emotions has really helped me out. What tools do you have for when you are in those moments or you feel those moments coming up where you're maybe a bit depressed or anxious about the future? Do you draw from something? Is there something you can go to that, you know, that's going to help me out just a little bit to give me that glimmer of hope? I love your checking in, by the way. I watch those. They're brilliant. I, I, I think... I remember hearing an interview with Reggie Yates a couple of years ago, and I thought, this is quite interesting, actually, because he was talking about surrounding himself with positive people and not going to those bars where he might get hassled, um, surrounding himself with people who don't suck his good energy out of him. And I thought, do you know what? I've got a couple of mates, bless them, and they're dead wood, really. Uh, they, they bring me down. All they ever do is moan. And I'm not saying don't be there for people, because 100% do that. But I think sometimes it's, it's really good to focus on people who help you with your sanity. So on social media, follow people who, you know, keep it real. They'll tell you when they're having bad days, but likewise, they'll, they'll cheer you up. You know, social media can be a horrible place when you look at all these glossy pictures and we all do it, put lovely filters on. And some people's lives you look at and you go, I'm never going to reach that. I don't, but listen, it's just a filter. They have down days as well. So I try and surround myself with, with, with good people and I follow people who bring a bit of sunshine into my life. And what I found with lockdown, like you said at the start, you were like, oh, you're panicking a bit. What I started to do, and it really helped me, was I set realistic goals. So every day I'd write on a list of paper what I wanted to do. So I shot myself in the foot to start because I'd, I'd give myself like 20 jobs a day and I'd only get to about number three. I'd go to bed going, oh, I've had a rubbish day, I've done nothing. But what I do now is I write one job a day. So today, for example, I'm going to go and mow the lawn. So I know when I go to bed tonight, I can go, oh, Thursday, I said I'd mow the lawn, tick, I've done it. So I can go to bed feeling like I've had a constructive day. And what I've tried to do, which maybe not be a good thing, but I've stopped watching the news as often as I was because I think with this coronavirus, I'm not ignoring what's going on because it's very serious and it is scary. But I felt myself, when I was watching the news, I was, get, I was overthinking about the future too much. I wasn't thinking about the here and now. And I think... Today's a good day. I'm in a good mood today, so I'm not going to worry about tomorrow at the moment. I'm going to focus on today. And if I am having a bad day, I'll twist it around. I'll think, it's not so great today, I'll be honest, but I know tomorrow I can turn it around. And, and I think it's just give yourself those little jobs. I suppose keep your mind busy. Keep yourself occupied. Otherwise, you sit around and you contemplate too much. You think about the future. You worry about what's going on. And I think you need to try and focus on the positive things in life, which I know is easier said than done a lot of the time, me included, I get my down days. Like you, I sit around and watch things and think, why haven't I got that job? But you can't wish what you haven't got. You've just got to think, well, do you know what? Whatever, I haven't got that, but something will come around the corner. And just just try and remember the good things in your lives. And there's always people who are worse off. You've got to remember that. There's always people worse off. Yeah, and I, I genuinely believe these conversations really help me. Having a open honest conversation with other men like we all used to like this is why they call this show in the barber's chair because that's therapy sitting there telling people about what's going on being authentic is all part of the the, the new kind of era for us guys because you know as we all know it's suicide is the biggest killer for young men even throughout coronavirus outbreaks so we we i would implore everybody or anybody that's watching this you know to have these conversations with your mates and looking at you can look at you and thomas's uh, yours uh, your instagram and you can go ah oh, he's got a nice house and a nice life but as you've just wonderfully said you know everybody um, nobody is immune to mental health issues we all have our mental health and we need to treat it like like our physical health don't we 
Definitely. I mean, I, you know, as I said, I still wake up in those days where I don't want to get out of bed. And the, and the worst thing is I feel guilty for that because sometimes I think, actually, what have I got to be depressed or down about, really? My life's all right, you know. But then, as I said earlier, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a reason to wake up feeling gloomy or having a dark day or a horrible day. I've had people contact me on social media. I'm sure you do, Matt. But I remember someone contacted me not long ago and he goes, I can't get out of it. I can't get out of this rut. He said, I've got a successful business. I'm doing financially more than stable. I've got a beautiful wife and kids, a lovely home. We're just going on holiday soon. And, you know, but I don't know why I feel really low. And I just said, don't worry about why you feel low. It's brilliant. You've, you've addressed it. You've admitted it. And just talk. And, and literally, I spoke to him on social media over, over a couple of months. And I still come in contact, keep in contact. And he's like, I feel great now. Thank you very much. All I needed was someone to talk to. And yeah. I wanted to talk to someone I didn't know because I felt I couldn't talk to my friends or my wife. I had to talk to a stranger. And it doesn't matter who you talk to, reach out. I know you're open on social media. People can talk to you. You can talk to me as well. Mm. I, I often, every day, I'll have people message me, said, oh, your story's cracked me up. You're an absolute idiot. <laughs> what I needed today, thanks for cheering me up. And I'll also say on the days when I'm saying I'm having a bad day, thank you for keeping it real. I, I, it's nice to see I'm not alone. And I think the main thing is to talk. And as we know, men still have a stigma over talk and they still say, I can't talk, me big strong man, me not talk. You, you can talk. And I think when you start to talk, even today I'm feeling happier from talking to you already today. It's really mm -hmm. nice to talk to someone who, who's like-minded, has, has a similar mindset and, and isn't afraid to say, hang on a minute, I'm not always happy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You hit the nail on the head. Being listened to. Just if, if your friend is having a difficult time and they say, look, I've got, I've got all these things and I'm still not happy and I'm, I'm a really bad day. You listening to that guy on Instagram helped him. And all you have to do is listen. You don't have to fix somebody. It's not a difficult uh, thing to do. Just sit there and be that space where you make and just offload all of that stuff. And like you say, it immediately helps you. I get so many people on Instagram to the point where it's quite over, overwhelming. 
uh, with people. And so many men, and usually the huge conversation is, I'm in my 30s and 40s, I have a wife, I have a house, I have kids, and I have happiness on paper, but I'm desperately unhappy. And I'm really, really worried that I've made all the wrong decisions in my life. And more often than not, a conversation really helps. That just the initial reaching out helps. But so many people are living the wrong purpose, it seems. In, in my, in my um, history of openness about mental health, uh, I, I've lived at times in my life a different purpose uh, what I thought my parents wanted me to be or my society wanted me mainly uh, or ex-girlfriends I, I'm going to be that person if you're not truly the person that you are I genuinely believe when you suppress that human being that can lead to some difficulties so being honest with who you are is such an important thing you can move on from that it's wanting acceptance isn't it so whether it's me as a young kid on the rugby field or BMX and wanting to please my father or if it's you wanting to act a certain way because you know the ex-girlfriend was looking for that in a guy, whatever. Yeah. Forget that. This is me. I'm Matt Johnson. Take it or leave it. I'm Ewan Thomas. This is how I act. I'm an idiot most of the time. If you don't like it, don't follow me. Whatever. You know, whatever it might be. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're right. A lot of people put so much pressure on themselves to get those materialistic things in life. Like you said, the businessmen or the people who will contact you saying, I'm doing really well. I've got this, I've got that. But maybe that isn't what they're searching for. You know, it, it, it's not all about it's not all about the bank balance. It's about, I think, finding that right balance in life of working hard, but also having a bit of you time. How many people do you know that are absolutely burnt out by the time they're 40 because they've worked so hard and they put all the emphasis on making a good career for themselves that they've taken their eye off the prize. It's all about, I think, trying to have a nice life, trying to have a good life. You're comfortable, you're, you're okay, you're not worried about how you're going to pay next week's bills, but... You've got enough to get by and, and, and you're going to go for a walk with a family or you're going to enjoy the sunshine, whatever it might be. And I think the main thing is, as we've said here, is you're not alone. I think the amount of people who feel guilty for feeling low and they don't know why, they can't work out why, you're really not alone. I, I think there's only a certain few percentage of people who are lucky enough to have that equilibrium if you want, to have that, a nice mindset and feel good all the time. Most people I know have down days. They have up days, but they also have down days. And do you know what? When you're on the down days, try not to panic because the up day will come. Thank you so much for your chat today. You're an absolute legend. And it was great to have a long, deep conversation with you finally. And I think it's one of the only times we've drunk without a beer on our hands. Oh, you're not drinking. I've been drinking the entire time. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure as ever. You're a top man. Thank you. And, and, and Matt, seriously, thank you for everything you do because you helped me as well. I mean, you're, you're outspoken and... It's people like you talking about mental health issues and raising awareness that helps so many people. So you keep up the good work, my friend. Ditto, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. See you soon. See you, mate. Bye. Take care, buddy. Change the face of men's health. For more information or to support Movember, head to movember.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.